Hi, everybody, and welcome to Macro Markets with Guggenheim Investments, where we invite leaders from our investment team to offer their analysis of the investment landscape and the economic outlook. I'm Jay Diamond, Head of Thought Leadership for Guggenheim Investments, and I'll be hosting today. We are recording this episode on April 28, 2022. Today's podcast will start with a report on the macroeconomy from Paul Dozier, a director in our Macroeconomic and Investment Research Group. With the Fed poised to ramp up policy tightening and ongoing supply disruptions from lockdowns in China and the war in Ukraine, there is a lot for investors to be thinking about, and Paul will bring us up to date. Also joining us today is Alan Lee, Managing Director and Head of Guggenheim's Municipal Bond Sector Team, who will offer data to support why it might be a good time to buy taxable and tax-exempt municipal bonds. Munis have been one of the hardest-hit sectors during the first quarter, and Alan will fill us in on the market dynamics, including the technical drivers of this performance, as well as the positive credit fundamentals across the sector. To begin, let's hear from Paul Dozier. Paul, the microphone is yours. Thanks, Jay. With central bank policy tightening and ongoing supply disruptions stemming from lockdowns in China and the war in Ukraine, there's a lot going on. Starting with central banks, Fed board members and regional presidents across the Dove Hawk spectrum are pounding the table about getting to a neutral policy setting expeditiously, as they've taken to saying in recent weeks. Chairman Jay Powell noted that a 50 basis points rate hike, quote, will be on the table for a May meeting, further noting that, quote, there's something in the idea of front-end loading in terms of the pace of rate hikes. St. Louis Fed President Bullard went so far as to suggest that a 75 basis points hike may be appropriate at some point, although he clarified that it wasn't currently his base case. On the other hand, Cleveland Fed President Mester also suggested such a large move wasn't warranted. Three consecutive 50 basis points rate hikes are fully priced in for the Fed's May, June, and July meetings. A fourth 50 basis points hike is just shy of being priced in for the September meeting. 215 basis points of hikes in all are priced in for the remainder of the year. The ECB, which has remained dovish relative to the Fed and other developed market central banks, is also undergoing a shift in sentiment, particularly with March Eurozone CPI printing at 7.4%, well above the ECB's inflation target of 2%. ECB officials are increasingly talking about a rate hike as soon as Q3. One governing council member suggested a rate hike as soon as July was possible. The ECB is expected to wind down asset purchases, currently around 30 to 40 billion euro per month prior to liftoff. Heading in the opposite direction, the People's Bank of China continues to provide accommodation in response to ongoing lockdowns and slower Chinese growth. The PBOC cut its triple R rate by 25 basis points recently and continues to passively guide its seven-day repo fixing rate lower. That said, China now appears to be easing COVID lockdown measures that had been imposed on Shanghai and other metropolitan areas in recent weeks. Road and air traffic indexes are picking up, and factories are gradually reopening. In other data developments, preliminary April PMIs in the U.S. came in a bit weaker than expected, and weaker than the March prints. Services weakened considerably, although that was likely attributable to a reversal after a very strong March release, 
that likely benefited from pent-up demand after the Omicron wave. And at 54.7, it remains well within expansionary territory. Meanwhile, the manufacturing component strengthened to a robust 59.7. We also got quite a bit of housing data last week. Existing home sales for March declined by 2.7% from February, marking the lowest number of sales since June 2020. However, sales remain higher than pre-pandemic levels. The slowdown in sales coincided with a slight rise in inventories from 1.7 months to 2.0 months. But inventories remain close to historic lows, which should be supportive of house prices for a while. Home builders are ramping up activity, but at a very gradual pace, with housing starts up just 0.3% in March, while building permits increase by 0.4%. In overseas data, like their U.S. counterparts, preliminary U.K. PMIs for April were also weighed by a decline in the services component, also a likely payback for robust activity during March in the wake of Omicron. Manufacturing activity strengthened slightly, though it was buoyed by output prices and backlogs of work, both byproducts of supply disruptions. Of greater concern were the significant declines in UK consumer confidence for April and retail sales for March, which suggest the odds of a recession in the coming months are growing. In the Eurozone, PMIs were a bit stronger than expected. However, this was driven by the improvement in services, which were buoyed by prices charged. Meanwhile, manufacturing weakened due to the declines in new orders and output. And Eurozone consumer confidence improved after six months of consecutive declines. However, we expect this improvement in sentiment to be short-lived due to high energy prices and concerns about the war in Ukraine. Finally, in political developments, French President Emmanuel Macron was awarded a second term after winning yesterday's runoff election in France. This is a positive in terms of risk sentiment, given Macron's commitment to further EU cohesion versus his opponent's generally anti-EU views. And that's all I've got. Back to you, Jay. Thanks, Paul Dozier. Next up is Alan Lee, head of our municipal bond sector team. Let's listen in. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Municipal bonds have had a poor year so far in terms of absolute return. In April alone, we're down 4.6% in taxables and 2.5% in tax exempts. Year to date, uh, we have lost 13% in taxables and nearly 9% in tax exempt munis. Um, tax exempt bonds are starting to underperform taxable bonds despite having a somewhat shorter duration profile as mutual fund complexes continue to bleed cash. Exams are 30 to 40 basis points wider on spread in April, while taxable munis, which do not have as severe of an outflow dynamic as exams, are 5 to 15 basis points wider this month. Now, the ta- underperformance in exams means that muni slash treasury ratios are at one year highs, with five year tenure at 86%, with 10 year 97%, in a 30-year, 105% when measuring AAA-rated muni yields against treasury yields. Uh, 110% is usually where non-traditional investors of muni debt, i.e. crossover buyers like life insurance companies and taxable bond funds, start nibbling in the space. 
Uh, this year, we have seen crossover buyers already putting money to work in this context, likely because all-in yields are the highest they have been since the COVID-driven market dislocation two years ago. Um, I touched upon mutual fund flows earlier. Uh, we have seen $38 billion redeemed from open-end tax-exempt mutual funds in 2022, and we're on pace to completely reverse the record $102 billion of net inflows we saw in 2021. That and the move in Treasury rates have been the primary drivers behind this year's negative returns. Uh, that said, returns could be worse if the new issue supply had not remained manageable. Uh, we are also heading into seasonally strong period for principal interest payments uh, with June, July, and August projected to be the three largest months for P&I this year. So we could find some footing uh, in the tax exempt space, but are we at the bottom in exempts? Uh, I don't think so. For now, sellers have been able to raise liquidity by selling some of the less ideal structures, such as bonds with coupons below 5%, or bonds that are non-callable or have made cold calls, uh, bonds that are subject to the alternative minimum tax, and also bonds that have fallen outside of the minimums. Now, bonds with the most ideal, most liquid structures, your 5% coupon, uh, bond with a power call date that's inside 10 years. The sellers have not been forced yet to liquidate those structures to meet redemptions. I think we would have to see those clean structures get tossed out with the bathwater for a bottom to be reached in the market. However, I do think investors should start legging into the market. Uh, remember, at the bottom, volumes are limited because by definition, you are taking out the last incremental seller out of the market. So you may be able to low tick pricing levels, but you're unlikely to deploy a meaningful amount of cash to work. Um, given that spreads and all-in yields are substantially higher than a year ago, I think it makes sense for investors to start adding exposure to tax and munis. Uh, right now, the taxable equivalent yield on tax exempts are the same as the yields on taxable munis and are higher than yields on IG corporate, despite the strong credit fundamentals in municipal debt and the better default profile that munis have demonstrated over time versus other asset classes. Tax receipts continue to trend to the upside, with March tax collections at the state level increasing by 24% versus the same time last year. Uh, most states are seeing across the board beats on top line revenues versus their initial expectations um, at the beginning of the fiscal year. Um, case in point, in Connecticut, the state revised its general fund surplus up 18% versus estimates from February uh, to a total of $2 billion in surplus. The drivers include uh, corporate income taxes, which came in $700 million above expectations, uh, personal income taxes, which were $200 million above budget, and sales taxes, which also beat estimates by $100 million. 
um, Connecticut is now in the enviable position of having excess cash to shore up their underfunded pension obligations. Uh, we see this story repeat for many state and local obligors as credit remains a tailwind for the municipal sector. Thus, uh, despite negative technical factors that are mostly outside of the control of market participants and might persist for a while, I think it makes sense for diversified investors to start increasing exposure to tax-exempt muni bonds given the relative attractiveness of the asset class. Back to you, Jay. My thanks once again to Alan Lee and Paul Dozier. And thanks to all of you who joined us for our new podcast. I'm Jay Diamond, and we look forward to gathering again for the next episode of Macro Markets with Guggenheim Investments. In the meantime, for more of our thought leadership and videos, including the CIO Outlook by Scott Minard, our global CIO, visit guggenheiminvestments.com slash perspectives. So long. Important notices and disclosures. One basis point is equal to 0.01%. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. Stock markets can be volatile. Investments in securities of small and medium capitalization companies may involve greater risk of loss and more abrupt fluctuations in market price than investments in larger companies. The market value of fixed income securities will change in response to interest rate changes and market conditions, among other things. Investments in fixed income instruments are subject to the possibility that interest rates could rise, causing their value to decline. High yield securities present more liquidity and credit risk than investment grade bonds and may be subject to greater volatility. Investors in asset-backed securities or ABS, including mortgage-backed securities or MBS and collateralized loan obligations or CLOs, generally receive payments that are part interest and part return of principal. These payments may vary based on the rate loans are repaid. Some asset-backed securities may have structures that make their reaction to interest rates and other factors difficult to predict, making their prices volatile, and are subject to liquidity and valuation risk. CLOs bear similar risk to investing in loans directly, such as credit, interest rate, counterparty, prepayment, liquidity and valuation risks. Loans are often below investment grade, may be unrated, and typically offer a fixed or floating interest rate. This podcast is distributed or presented for informational or educational purposes only and should not be considered a recommendation of any particular security, strategy or investment product, or as investing advice of any kind. This material is not provided in a fiduciary capacity, may not be relied upon for or in connection with the making of investment decisions, and does not constitute a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. The content contained herein is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal or tax advice and or a legal opinion. Always consult a financial, tax and or legal professional regarding your specific situation. The opinions contained herein are subject to change without notice. Forward-looking statements, estimates and certain information contained herein are based upon proprietary and non-proprietary research and other sources. Information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but are not assured as to accuracy. No part of this material may be reproduced or referred to in any form without express written permission of Guggenheim Partners LLC. There is neither representation nor warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information.
Past performance is not indicative of future results. Guggenheim Investments represents the following affiliated investment management businesses. Guggenheim Partners Investment Management, LLC, Security Investors, LLC, Guggenheim Funds Distributors, LLC, Guggenheim Funds Investment Advisors, LLC, Guggenheim Corporate Funding, LLC, Guggenheim Partners Europe Limited, Guggenheim Partners Fund Management Europe Limited, Guggenheim Partners Japan Limited, GS Gamma Advisors, LLC, and Guggenheim Partners India Management.